3: This is a crowd podcast. I mean, is this the last fight? Has he got one more great night in him? I think we might see something extraordinary. Do you think Taylor's a favourite here? they are debates you have with your mates in the pub, not what you say in an interview that everyone's going to listen to. Can I push you for a final prediction? Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. (laughs) Good morning, Declan. Good morning, Georgie. How are you? Grand, Uh, grandioso. Yes, Uh, very good. (laughs) Good weekend. Good weekend. Good weekend. Busy weekend for me. Like a bit of boxing and a bit of not. I uh, I was on a beekeeping course yesterday. uh, Declan' birthday present. I uh, I was at the boxing Saturday night. Yeah, I said to my mate Dean, I said, "Do you know what I'm doing tomorrow?" He said, "Nah." I said, "I'm on a beekeeping course." He went, "I did." That was not where I would have hedged a guess
0: of what he was doing but it was brilliant on Saturday at the the boxing or the YouTube boxing did anyone um, float like a butterfly and sting like a bee well I saw the two last fights
3: the chief support and the main event headlined was uh, KSI oh yeah who's very famous on YouTube and um, And Joe Fournier he was fighting Joe Fournier David Hayes prodigy is he coming on yet he's on the verge of launching something yeah probably non-boxing related but when he is he'll be ready
0: to come on and talk about it yeah 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 right. Right, right, let's not waste too much time on Misfits, though, but um good night.
3: Yeah, it was good night. I'll tell you what, production is very good. The best part was, right, after one of the fights, the arena went pitch black and they started playing The Undertaker music, oh. which everyone got super excited about, mm. to the point where I thought The Undertaker was coming out and I don't even watch wrestling. I was like fucking I've got The Undertaker <laughs> uh, it turns out it wasn't there was like a mariachi band in, in the in the ring I was waiting for someone to come out the bloke who was supposed to come out was already in the ring so I don't know how famous he, he is but um, oh yeah I was, I was sitting there I was chatting with uh, Liam Payne trying, I'm going to train oh, yeah. him for his next fight yeah but the, the fight was okay Fournier got caught with a right hand sort of did a funny dance in the second round and then and then got knocked out and then they had no big screens on there so it was like oh well, well there we go but then afterwards you see that um, KSI hits him with an elbow He's so there might be a clamor for a rematch
0: last question on the um beekeeping. did you get your hands on any bee pollen
3: I've never investigated the leap from you know bees to bee pollen and I didn't even know if it was the same thing spelt the same but I didn't know but I think it is what you do is you put a little a little grate as the bees go into their hive the pollen is stuck to their legs we're collecting the great you can't do it too much because ultimately the bees take the honey back in because they uh, the, the pollen back in because they want to eat it so uh, but that is
0: how you collect your, your bee pollen I'm sure that's how Ruben does it if you don't know what we're talking about by the way go and listen to one of our earlier episodes with Ruben Tabares which is one of your nutritionists and he told us about the uh, regaled us about the benefits of bee pollen and everyone club members was a clamour to try and get their hands on bee pollen and special toothpaste as well. Go and listen to that episode, George. You got some news for us, haven't you? Well, big news, deck this
3: week in the club. It's been our biggest week yet. Woo! And maybe again, Barry out outshone Eddie. Who knows? Everyone's been tuning, listening. No doubt off the back of uh, the other Hearn, Eddie Hearn. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the show is doing great. This is uh, exciting times for us. So hopefully, people are still listening this week. The start of this week
0: as we preview um, some of the fights ahead. Yeah, thanks to the um, everyone for listening, obviously, to all the old-school Elite Club members, but also, if anyone, all the new people who might have just heard about us through Eddie's episode and Barry's episode, welcome. Go and listen to some of our other ones if, you, um, if you're if you that way inclined. Um, speaking of listeners, George, we've had a few people get in touch. Grey Beard London, he said. This is on the Barry Hearn episode. Great couple of eps with the legend. Barely had to ask him any questions. Wind him up and watch him go. Great work that is very true I
3: mean the hardest bit is reining him in and steering him in in, in our direction which is just goes to show how great we are at, on this pod you know because if, if we couldn't have steered him in any direction
0: I'm sure Barry would still be happy to be chatting to us now the box gathering got in touch on the Barry Hernet but I'm a bit confused about this expectational episode is it a word deck is it is
3: it a word have you ever used it definitely Could not you use it for me in a sentence
0: I guess it's something that forces forces you to expect something I guess maybe you expected a lot from Barry and. And it delivered, so maybe it was expectational. And speaking of things that we expected, we've got no fight to review, although you went to Misfits, but we ain't doing that as a proper review. But what something we do want to review <laughs> is the fight that we were expecting to happen or expecting to be arranged, and it didn't, and that was the British heavyweight title fight now defunct British heavyweight title fight between Fabio Wardley the champion and who he thought would be his mandatory challenger Fraser, Fraser Clark. So there's a couple of facets here. Basically if you don't know the story, Fabio Wardley is the champion. Fraser Clark's management company 258 we here lobbied the board to get Fraser instated as the mandatory challenger by the board. So the board will identify the man they want to fight as their mandatory challenger. Much like the major sanctioning bodies across the globe, the British Boxing Board of Control do the same thing however this was then supposed they couldn't come to a deal an agreement so they said okay cool we'll go to a purse bid so again purse bid if you're is going what the fuck's a purse bid we'll explain that in a sec but before we even got to the purse bid Fraser Clark was pulled out by his promotional company boxer so the fight's not happening there was no purse bid Fabio Wardley does not have a dance partner as it stands Fraser Clark, who was desperate to fight for the British title will not be doing so at the behest of his promotional company boxer it's a right old mess it's one of those situations where it just makes you think oh fuck's sake should we start with the purse bid George should we start with what a purse bid is quickly for people who don't know what that is
3: a purse bid situation is when a fight is ordered by the governing body or sometimes even a sanctioning body with uh, a British title, is the Boxing Border Control, and they will order a fight to take place a certain amount of time. If you can't agree terms amongst yourselves, it will go to a purse bid. So you have to be a, a license holder, maybe even a promoter, a licensed promoter, to, to actually put in a purse bid with the Boxing Border Control. Um, you put in a sealed bid. Not exactly sure of since COVID, like how they do that, whether they can just um, send an email or if they can just do a Zoom call. Like Frank Smith kind of explained it to us and it was a bit like a game show and you can just sort of flash your card, just turn it around quick. But the highest bidder essentially wins the rights to, to promote the fight. The purse bid will be on a, a split between determined usually by the boxing board control in the champion's favour and then depending on how highly ranked the contender is, is how much basically they'll split will be.
0: So Frank Smith, the CEO of Matchroom, we had him on for a, a money episode, great episode, if you, if you haven't, it's very detailed, but let's just play what he told us about purse bids just to bolster what you said there,
2: George. So traditionally, if it's a mandatory fight ordered by a sanctioning body or even the British Boxing Board of Control, they do it with their, their regular purse bids. If two fighters, most of the time it comes down to, it, if two fighters are represented by two different people, you can't come to a deal because a lot of the time you've got You've got your own reasons for wanting the fight. You might have your own broadcast that you need to deliver it for. The fight will traditionally go to Perspid. So an example of that, as I said, uh, Tiofimo Lopez against George cambosas Tiofimo Lopez was promoted by Bob Arum and top rank. Uh, George Cambosis was with the Bella, I believe, but I think there was talks with Triller who had just come into the market. And everyone was like, oh, there's going to be huge money for this fight. So... When you're offering, maybe George Cambosas, say, I don't know what he'd earned before, but maybe he'd earned $50,000, $100,000, his biggest purse. I don't know whether that's true. It might be $100,000. But when the purse bid comes up, obviously, Teofimo Lopez is on a lot more money than that retrospect in terms of splits. So the IBF purse bid split is sixty-five thirty-five. So if Cambosas' biggest purse was 100K, say, and Teofimo's was, I don't know, a million dollars maybe to fight. Lomachenko and then he's a bigger star as well obviously if you put those numbers together they don't really match up so for a fighter who has worked their way into that mandatory position but maybe hasn't earned as much money that's the opportunity for them to actually earn a lot of money it's a bit like AJ Pulev for example AJ is a huge commercial draw and you can't really show you can't compare the two if you compared the two's Earnings or like their ticket sales, you'd go, yeah, I can understand that. But again, it's a sixty-five, thirty-five purse split in favor of the champion. In favor so. of the champion. Yeah. So when it comes to negotiating that fight, that fight didn't go to purse bids. So we ended up doing a deal. But you're in a harder position because they go, "Oh, we'll just go to purse because we know the revenue attached to that." But it doesn't mean that Kubrat Pulev is necessarily worth the money that he got. I'm not saying any fighter is not worth. Every fighter gets in the ring and deserves to make as much money as possible because what they put themselves through. But obviously, commercially. There is that angle where you say, "Well, he's never made, or he would make this for any other fight." But because you're getting in there with such a superstar, Canelo, another one, Canelo's purse is dwarf most other people's in boxing. But if he goes to purse bid with someone, you know that person will be getting a massive payday. So, Deck, what was your
0: perspective on it? My perspective, first and foremost, is I feel like it's a real shame. I can understand why boxer did it. So Ben Shalom has explained that Fraser Clark, obviously, is a newbie pro. Bear in mind, he's one of the most decorated and experienced amateur boxers at super heavy which he was an amateur that we've ever had so he's not like wet behind the ears he's getting on a bit to be honest so he's kind of in a rush and his management company know that so they lobbied for this right Ben Shalom said this guy's never even had a 10 rounder why would we put him into a 12 round fight at this point where I stand on it always regardless of the situation is it should be down I believe it should be down to the boxer to decide who he wants to fight because across boxing and one of the major problems we've got in the sport is that often it's not determined by that it's determined by management company, promotional company, TV stuff always gets in the way. But at the end of the day, boxing is about two blokes having a fight or two women having a fight, and that should be at the heart of it. Everything else should kind of fit around that. So if Fraser Clark wants to fight Fabio Wardley for the British title and fancies himself, he should be allowed to do that. Because he's under contract, obviously, with a company who who want the best for him and are trying to steer him in a way that is most beneficial to him, they believe that fighting Fabio Wardley, bear in mind never had an amateur bout in his life. We've spoken to him about his white-collar background Fraser Clark fancied himself to beat Fabio Wardley. Essentially, his promotional company have said we're not sure that you're going to win this fight. We want to do some other stuff first, and then you can be the A side. But the problem with this A side chat with the purse bid situation is, if you win the purse bid, you are the A side regardless. That is the way you're going to become the quote unquote A side, which is a term I don't like, but I understand why people use it. If Boxer had won the purse bid, Fraser Clark's the A side. Put the money up, and then do what you want to do. So that was my initial thought. I can I can understand, you know, he, Fraser Clark is a commodity in, in boxers' eyes. He's a product and they're trying to push him and they're trying to steer him in, in a direction that's best for him and for them. But for me, if he wants to fight Fabio Wardley, fucking let him fight with Fabio Wardley. It rem- reminded me of you, George, when you and James DeGale boxed, which went to a purse bid situation. James was the British champion and you were the mandatory challenger. Without that purse bid or without that process, there's every chance you two would have been steered apart at that point. I'm not sure exactly what the details
3: of Fraser Clark's k- promotional contract is, but essentially a purse bid can trump your promotional contract because if you've been ordered by the board and you want to take that fight I and mean, you your promotional team don't win the purse bid, they can force you to pull out, but it just looks terrible. It doesn't look good for for, for Boxer or, or for Frasier Clark because it looks like they've pushed. They've been talking about this Fabio Aldley fight. They've been campaigning for it. Now, the Boxing Board Control, they're not going to force Frasier Clark into this mandatory situation. Someone's been lobbying on his behalf, whether it's 258 management or whether it's Boxer or whether it's both. And ultimately, it's come down to it. They're saying that we want Frasier Clark to have another fight beforehand to warm up. But you can't do that. Once you once there's a mandatory in a situation that, and a fight is ordered you can't just have another warm up fight it, it it doesn't work like that yeah I think, I think he's had a bit of a stinker like and I feel sorry for Fager for Clark because I'm sure he backs himself to fight Fabio Wadley and the reasoning that that was that was sort of given. The bits that I heard was like, and it it wasn't coming from from Clark. It was that oh, he needs more rounds. You know, like are debates you have with your mates in the pub behind closed doors. Not what you say, you know, in an interview that everyone's going to listen to. It's almost like losing face. If you have got this ball rolling, then you kind of got to go with it. Like, is it two five eight management? Not communicating with boxer properly someone's put it in there Robert Smith at the board's gone yeah sure fine you know Fraser Clark he senses a little bit early but he's got massive experience as an amateur Um it's a good fight people are up for it makes sense everyone seems keen for it and then as soon as it's ordered they're like oh wait no <laughs> we need to do a 10 rounder first it would have been a, a big money fight and, and a high profile fight and exciting fight for um fabio Wardley. so he must be the one who's probably most disappointed and the most frustrated will be fraser clark because he's the one who sort of people are saying now oh you called him out but chicken chickened out and uh I don't think that's the case
0: at all. If Fabio Wardley has this fight with Fraser Clark. Fraser Clark loses. It's not the end of the world. It just comes again. Like just, I don't know. I feel, feel for Fraser Clark. I think he's going to face Harry Armstrong June the 10th. This is someone, by the way, Fraser Clark, who has already complained openly on Sky about his level of opposition that, that they've provided him. He's been chinning everyone. Nobody in his league. So if he goes and wins in a round here, what's the point? It's tough to match him.
3: Yeah, because he's, he's, good. Be he's a good fighter. You don't want him to be in a life and death, but at the same time, he needs something to come given rounds yeah we had the conversation recently with with eddie where he says that the more you pay the prospects the more the opponents want and sometimes the budget's just squeezed so you end up having to find a cheaper opponent who essentially they're not coming to lose but they they get a couple of clumps and they think well is it really worth it am i getting paid enough i'd love to see all the prospects get pushed every in every fight but it's it is is a very difficult job. I think probably more so in this day and age than than previous.
0: Okay, so that's enough about a fight that isn't going to happen. Let's look at a couple of fights that are going to happen this weekend. Another big weekend. We had we had one the other week with Joe Cordino over here, and then a, a big one in America. We've got another sort of double on either side of the Atlantic. We'll start with the one in America, the MGM Grand, proper big fight feeling around this one. It is. Vasil Lomachenko, now the kind of old head of the division against Devin Haney, the undisputed champion, very much the young master of the division of the division or certainly someone who's coming up to try and prove himself as that. But this, having beaten Jack George Com- Kambosos twice, this against Lomachenko proper acid test time, George. George Kambosos is a uh, he was an,
3: a really improved fighter, wasn't he? You know, it was a bit of a shock when he beat Teofimo Lopez. And Devin Haney's had back-to-back victories over him. The first fight he had to dig deep at times I think and I watched that back if I if I remember um, I made him the winner but he improved there on in, in the second fight and then just looking at him in the gym he looks like he's matured you know and maybe matured through the experiences of the tough fights which would have come with the tough camps he looks it can happen multiple times you know, as, as guys are growing up you see that like, and you think oh look man and boy man and boy you know first pro fight from your amateur fight when you took your vest off you're like wow he's filled out or wow he's he's matured. Just seeing Haney with his top off now, I don't know how much weight he's got to cut, but he looks like a a bigger, stronger specimen. Against... Lomachenko, that's where I always feel Lomachenko's like fighting an uphill battle because the guys he fights just look so much bigger. Yeah, so Lomachenko last time out in October against Ortiz. I, again, hadn't seen much of Ortiz deck. Had you before then? Yeah, 6-0 with a draw. But a really good guy and he pushed Lomachenko. I mean, Lomachenko got him in the finish. You know, like Lomachenko got him over the championship rounds. But there were times where he was getting caught. If you're not paying attention with Lomachenko, you, you can take for granted because he, he never really ever got caught, you know, he never got caught clean. He had that sort of Cuban amateur style where they, they don't get hit flush because it's just lightning fast. Not so much like and then mixed in with like that sort of South American where they can pull away from the shots. Obviously he's just he was the matrix, weren't he? He was like he'd be and then off that creating the mad angles and hitting you with shots that you had no right to get hit with. At 35 now, I don't know if it's all starting to catch up with him. I make Haney, I to make Haney the favourite. I think this is a big fight for him. Sort of a maybe a breakout fight for him. What do you think, Declan? Do you think there's more to come from Haney? Do you think there's more improvements to come? Or do you think he's sort of at his best now? Even though he's only 24... This is what we, we've come to expect.
0: No, I think he, I think there's a lot more to come. I was very impressed with the way he handled Cambosus. He had some problems in the build up. Remember his, they couldn't get his dad out there and his trainer out there for various reasons. He got there in the end, but he just had to go and face it on his own and did a proper number on him in the first fight. Basically repeated the trick in the second one. I think his style is that he's great at nullifying you and sucking the sort of atmosphere out of the situation and just doing the business. I think Lomachenko is he's clearly on the wane, but has he got one more great night in him? He lost to Teofimo Lopez, like you mentioned, just kind of outsized in that fight as much as anything. And we see it across history. We'll talk about it in a minute with with Katie Taylor and Chantal Cameron, but like you say, he's never quite looked big enough for lightweight. He's kind of a featherweight, super featherweight. And then you've got Devin Haney, young and big, like a big, big lightweight. I just don't know. I can't see how he wins this fight. I can't see how Haney doesn't control it at range with his jab and then maybe look to go through the gears a little bit, but he might not have to. I think he's too big and he's too young and he's too fresh in this fight. One message we got. First of all, Paulie Walnuts, early bold prediction. He says Loma is going to destroy Devin Haney. I haven't heard many people say that. If he does, it would be probably the greatest win of his career right up there. And Dave Mitchell, at Dodgy Tat Dave, one of our favourites, he said it's going to be a bit of a stinger of a fight, which I can see actually. Haney jabs Loma into a convincing points win. Loma never able to get into range to plant his feet and hurt Haney but he did say and this is a big point George as long as Haney can make the weight he looked awful at the Cambosa's two weighing that's a very good point Devin Haney destined for 10 stone if not higher he's too big for this weight but as he got one more safe cut that doesn't take too much out of him in order to do the business against Lomachenko who won't have any problems at the weight. Do you think that could be an issue here? Sometimes when you're really that tight at the weight, you're just really comfortable fighting guys who
3: are small for the weight as opposed to guys who maybe had to cut a lot of weight like you and maybe they just somehow survived it a bit better. You know, No one ever gets privy to that side of a team's sort of build up and everything's always been perfect and the weight's great and everything else. It could just be like Devin Haney on the safe side, pumping that jab. It's a long, stiff jab in in Lomachenko's face. But you can't blame fighters, especially if you're fighting someone like Lomachenko, you know, who doesn't do it so much, but used to create, you know, the crazy angles and punch off any position. I can't really see Lomachenko putting a dent in him in terms of the power, he's going to have to come with the second and third wave. But is very good at nullifying that as well. And that probably be what they've been working on the entire camp. So just catch him with ones and twos at the long distance you know and a ratio of you know 4 to 1 jabs you know he punches i mean they they both exceptional talents you know they both know how to fight they both know how to punch so they both got their legs under them punch punch correctly haney doesn't really have a problem in what comes next after the jab when you do have that sort of nullify them keep switch them off safety first mindset it it can be a bit over overwhelming and you can get sort of stuck in that groove it might be Haney says right i'll just switch him off for six rounds and then i'll press him for the second six but maybe loma knows that maybe maybe that's and that's not he can't let Haney get into that sort of groove and he's got something to switch the jab off and then something to punch off of it i think that's how he wins he, he has to punch off of the jab, Haney starts trying to get that long jab in. He said make him miss but close the distance with that, which Lomachenko can do or he
0: used to be able to do. Let's see if he can do it against Haney. I'll be um setting the alarm to watch it and very much expecting a distance fight to be honest I don't see a finisher, an early finish year. I think you just explained why there's quite a clear blueprint I feel like for Haney to win this fight Lomachenko's gonna have to be exceptional gonna have to do something special to knock him out of that groove I feel I'd love it if we see the second coming of Lomachenko but I don't think we will I think this is a bad style matchup for him I'd love to be wrong to be honest because Lomachenko is one of my favourite fighters ever and it'd be great to have him back and in the mix for those fights with other guys at lightweight. What would your final pick be on this one, George? I can't go against what you've said, Declan. I think, yeah, points. Yeah,
3: maybe like a, a 116, 112, maybe um, 117, 111 in Haney's favour. I'd like to win a fight, Javante Davis. I think, you know, obviously, if, if we do see a revised and rejuvenated um, Lomachenko, I think that guy in with Javante Davis, who you explained really well, is a really accurate conservative power puncher now doesn't throw you know bundles of bundles of punches how, how does he win against Haney who if Haney just wants to jab him long he's going to pick up his volume and uh Lomachenko you know if Lomachenko's firing all cylinders coming with a second and third wave then um Javante's definitely got to walk him onto something but that makes for an exciting fight too
1: no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
2: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy <laughs>
0: overwhelming feeling here is that maybe Devin Haney might just be a bit too big and too young which brings us nicely on to the second matchup we're going to discuss which is in Dublin at the three arena and it's Katie Taylor maybe the greatest female fighter of all time against Chantal Cameron the undisputed champion at 140 pounds both undefeated both undisputed champ four belt champions which we've never seen before it's just a great fight and it wasn't even first choice She, she was hoping to fight Amanda Serrano in a rematch we got this instead George Initial thoughts On this fight Katie Taylor Is the betting favourite Reasonably clear one Do you agree with that Do you think Taylor's A favourite here On one stance You know On styles And essentially ability
3: Katie Taylor Is a far better boxer Technically Very good punches Very well Has got that Very elite Amateur style, not a huge puncher, but you know punches with volume, but punches correct. But essentially, being at a female fight where they fight over two minute rounds, that makes total sense why she stuck to that sort of style. Chantelle Cameron, when she's fit and she's on it, it is a high volume, but it's much more bludgeoning. She just wants to close the distance and and punch away. Reminds me a bit of like a a, a Joyce, you know, at times. And she's a force, you know. She's um, I think. Comparatively for a female fighter, she punches hard. Uh, she gets rid of girls that you know have gone the distance with future champions former champions so I think this could be maybe a step too far for for Taylor and I think maybe you know if he was a gambling person and you're thinking when's the time to strike this could be the one this could be a step too far for Taylor you know she's got home advantage but she's moving up in weight fighting Chantel Cameron who has been boxing really well of late She seems a lot I mean what she says publicly she doesn't seem so settled like she had a lot of she was worried that ellie scotney the cockney was going to be on the card and uh obviously she's trained by shane mcgrigan who was Chantel's former coach she said i can't have that in the picture uh she didn't want shane around so maybe that's just her trying to be clever maybe that's not even her maybe that's just her team sort of trying to make Chantel feel more important That you know she can sort of dictate a little bit but she is up against Katie Taylor who's the star of match and boxing the star of DAZN and the star of, of world female boxing so she could, she could match her
0: for volume um, and she could just sort of Try and steamroller. I think Taylor's had some unbelievable nights and big nights. So she has the kind of big fight, big event experience here. But when you really look at it, the Delphine Pursume first fight, a lot of people thought she lost that. She had life and death with Amanda Serrano, nearly got stopped. Amazing win in the end. But, you know, a fight that takes something out of you. She had a close one with Tasha Jonas. You know, like she's had these big, big nights, just made it through a lot of time, found a way to win. But for me, based on everything, this is the hardest fight of her career. Based on the, the freshness and size of Chantel Cameron, I feel like Cameron's getting better with every fight. She boxed so well against Jessica McCaskill to win all those belts. Um, McCaskill big puncher made her look like a total novice that night. She ain't going to do that to Katie Taylor, but I think that she has, she's proven that she can box to orders in a fight that could get a bit hairy at times. But again, it's Katie Taylor got another big one in her. In front of her Irish fans, she'd never boxed there as a professional. So it's a colossal occasion for her. It's not in front of 80,000 at Croke Park, which is what she wanted on this date, but it just was too expensive, we're told. So it's the three arena instead. My fear, or fear is probably the wrong word, but I remember we're bo- they're boxing over 10 twos instead of 12 threes. They-, they can go by and you barely even notice it happening sometimes. You're five, six rounds in, like, fuck, where did that go? And there's so little to choose in those rounds that it's hard to split when it's that evenly matched. I wouldn't rule out a draw in this fight. I wouldn't rule out uh, Cameron looking be- the better of the two. Taylor has that sometimes can come unstuck a little bit, but still finds a way to win. I feel like Cameron's gonna be good for that. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't rule out a draw in this fight. Certainly nip and tuck on the cards and then probably a rematch in September at Croke Park instead of the Serrano fight. That's how I see this one going. I just think maybe it's a bit too, bit too big, bit too young. And I feel like maybe Taylor's past her peak. We've seen, she's had her best days, and that's no disrespect to her. She's had some unbelievable days, but she is getting on a bit now. She's done everything. She's achieved everything. It's kind of like what keeps her going. That's just kind of how I see this fight. And it's it's kind of great timing and a great opportunity for Cameron. You never know these great fighters, these iconic fighters. They pull something out of the bag. It's just over the course of ten twos can can Taylor do that. But the other question I've got you have to ask is can Cameron get a decision in a close fight in Dublin?
3: I haven't seen any Katie Taylor quotes, but I know she kind of she's very professional in that respect. You know, it's all close to her chest. But is is she winding down like mentally? Is she thinking, well this is this is the biggest fight, this is the hardest fight, this is a step up, all the bells, back on home soil. I mean, is this the last fight? You know, do I want to go out on on an absolute high and if that is the case then does that change uh, a mentality in a good way or maybe even in a, a bad way so we might see the very best case we might have to see a, a different Katie Taylor because she's in there with Chantel Cameron who is a lot bigger fights with a very aggressive style might be a fight for the ages
0: might be Calzaghe Lacey I interviewed Katie Taylor a couple of weeks ago and she said Hard, this is the hardest fight of my career. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say that in the build up just to sell it. But I think, like, she really believes that. She knows that the Croke Park extravaganza that she's been dreaming of is riding on this fight. If she loses, it's gone. Uh, if she loses in a close fight, she could have the rematch there. But she can't fade away in this fight because she'll never get to Croke Park. Just on that, they were supposed to fight there 80,000, you could get in, but they couldn't reach an agreement with. Um, essentially the government, because it's too expensive with the security costs and whatnot, Eddie Hearn just said, we'd make a loss. We can't go there. So to try and plug the gap, he had a meeting with Conor McGregor, who is very interested in somehow sponsoring the event or at least trying to get, get the event on by paying some money of some description, plug in the gap. They couldn't do it in time for this one, but it sounds like they will be able to use and Conor will be involved if they go in September at Croke Park. So all of that is riding on it she wins the fight, I have no doubt she'll box Amanda Serrano at Croke Park in September. If it's a draw or if she loses closely, even if she wins in a really competitive, interesting fight, then maybe Chantel Cameron could get the rematch. So I don't think she's ready to fade out yet, but she's been at the top for so long. that You know, you see it with people like Vladimir Klitschko and even admitted it, it becomes a point where it's just monotonous, it's the same. I feel like she's built for that though. Over there in Connecticut where she does her training, just away from everything, just gets her head down and then turns up, fights, has a war, gets a win, moves on, but it's just whether Cameron has got, has got her at the right time. I think it's a fascinating fight. Another ma- like another major moment for, for women's boxing and Katie Taylor's been at the heart of most of those since she turned over after the Olympics. Very exciting fight. And then there's all sorts of stuff down the line. Sandy Ryan, WBO welterweight champion, you know, maybe one, the winner boxes her. Jessica McCaskill's still got the belts. Obviously, Cameron's beaten her once. Taylor's beaten her once but maybe they do that and then Taylor could win belts at lightweight, light welter and welterweight which would be incredible but it's all to play for George. Can I push you for a final prediction? Taylor points because it's just so
3: hard to go against Taylor points. I think we might see something extraordinary from Katie Taylor maybe but who knows if you wanted the upset this is the one. If Conor McGregor is throwing the cash around, do you reckon we can get him to sponsor the show?
0: Definitely. We could stick that whiskey brand on there. We could probably put it on the logo, to be honest. There's space for a little bottle of whiskey on there or he, he makes um, Guinness now. Not Guinness, but his own version of stout. So yeah, Conor, if you're listening, which I think he does, I'm pretty sure he does. Or just send a spot of that whiskey, whatever whatever you want to do, mate. I can't see past the drawer, George. I, I do love a drawer, but this is proper drawer. You love a drawer. This is draw <laughs> yeah. written all over it. One thing I'm not wrong about, though, George is I'm pretty sure there's one very simple step that I could become an Elite Club member with, but I just can't put my finger on it. Literally, could you tell me? Could you reveal? Well, you can put your finger on it. You literally need
3: to put your finger on it. I need you to put your finger on the follow button in your podcast app and then add sufficient pressure where you've, sort of, you've pressed it, essentially. Press, press, press the follow button. Push the follow button.
0: Yeah, and while you're at it, get on the socials as well. GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Just like dodgy tat dave and paulie walnuts did whatever you feel about the fights we want to hear it and we also want to hear what you think of our next episode george which is on wednesday who we got yes wednesday deck we are back
3: with marnie swindle the apprentice winner what's the expression you use that i don't understand die in the wall boxing died in the wall she's a proper boxing boxing head she's a boxing head a boxing nut and for the final of the apprentice, which everyone knows, everyone watched, and even if they don't really watch it anymore, they've watched it at some point. She has set up her own boxing gym. So these discussions about boxing gyms, how do they work? and uh, what do we want from them
0: so it's it's a really good it's going to be a really good chat deck I'm excited about this one I think I said this already but just before you listen to that and you want to get a flavour of Marnie Swindles and you just think she's on The Apprentice go on YouTube and watch Marnie Swindles versus Zoe Woodley in the Harringay Box Cup Finals for an absolute amateur tear up everything falls into place when you see a fight so yeah go and do that also check out the our playlist The Ring Walk on Spotify and you can listen ad free on Amazon Music as always that's how they describe this podcast as well a great amateur tear
3: up yeah. <laughs> watch this space this week we'll be getting you lot to design the GGBC Dream Gym what would be the dream gym Declan what what do we need to think about just brainstorm here we want who's gonna run it yeah who's gonna clean it we need a Morgan Freeman Yeah
0: Who's on the door Taking the subs How many
3: rings Are we having What size rings Are we having You know One Big Olympic rings We're going to have, yeah, we have
0: fighters Canelo rider rings. do we want Telephone boxes yeah. yeah And also What bags Because that is A big one for me Because what If you're going to Just have a load Of the, those aqua bags Absolute bollocks Those things Get the big old school one <laughs> Or Do you want both they're good for your hands or do you want floor to ceiling are we going to go we're going to have a cobra bag that the Ryan Garcia one I want to know everything that everything you want to see because to be honest George there's only one way this podcast is going and, and that is a physical bricks and mortar gym at one stage so we need some ideas don't we Argentinian barbecue right in the middle of it at all times I've been on that this weekend as no, well do Yeah, Burgess, <laughs> and
3: i <got> the reviews <laughs> all good I'll send you some pictures please do you've got to come over soon preferably when I, we ain't recording the next day just in case food poisoning but uh, no
0: the sun is coming and, and the barbecue is fire any burning. any gym any gym needs a barbecue outside or inside whatever don't care but yeah hit us up with your ideas what does our what does the dream gym require we're going to get into it with Marnie Swindles on Wednesday it cannot wait George
1: Plus. 18 plus.